Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, or I should say if you want to drive with the Game Changers, you're absolutely positively in the right place because this is where the best run. Sometimes we're driving, and that's a key, a hint to our topic today. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Listen up. Electronic innovations have accounted for the overwhelming majority of advances in modern vehicles. Yes, I'm talking cars, I'm talking automotive, I'm talking anything on wheels. Today's average high-end car, and you, our listeners around the world, you may own one of those. Today's average high-end car has roughly seven times more code than a Boeing 787. So think about that. A lot of tech in our cars today. What's going on? And that's from a McKinsey study on industries, automotive and assembly, a roadmap to the future for the auto industry. Now, the audio industry is facing unprecedented changes. Come on, nothing is the same as it was maybe when you bought your first car, when your mom and dad bought you your first car, or when you took driver's ed back in whenever. If you're a younger driver, this may not be such a surprise to you. We now have ride and car sharing, okay? Electric cars. Do you have a charging station near you? Are you on or off the grid? Is there enough power to keep your car charged? I hope so. We have autonomous driving in testing everywhere, coming to a highway, byway, or garage near you who knows climate change regulations for emissions new ownership models and distribution models new selling modes what is going on each of these changes is challenging the automotive industry's ability to stay nimble they have to and to quickly reinvent itself it doesn't do either one of those very well. It's kind of stodgy, at least it has been for years. So what will it take for automotive companies, manufacturers, dealers, OEMs to turn, listen up, to turn their customers into fanatics, turn their products into obsessions, I do love my car, turn their employees into advocates and ambassadors, and turn their brands into, and I use this word advisedly, religions. Oh my. Today we're going to address some top headlines in automotive news. We're going to talk about the changing ownership models. What's going on with Uber's market cap today? They're bigger than GM. They're bigger than Ford. What's happening? The role of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley and Detroit, are they working side by side? Are they butting heads with each other? Are they going to hold hands down the road? What about new players? Who is coming into automotive who was never there before? And talent for the future. Who will be hired? What jobs will be created in the mobility industry in the U.S. around the world? Rumor has it there'll be 30,000 new jobs for engineers who have computer science-related degrees. Kids, if you haven't picked your major yet, you may know where you need to go. So welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here. And by the way, this is part two of a very exciting topic we covered on our show, The Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio, about six weeks ago on April 9th, 2019. I have to do a shout-out to my colleague at SAP, Miranda Labate, for setting this up, and Judy Cubis, who works in that automotive industry team at SAP. And we are so excited about the topic, we've invited the panelists back today. So let me tell you who they are. First up, we'll be speaking with Jordan Katz. He is the Global Head of Employee Experience Transition 
programs. That's a big title, Jordan. At Qualtrics, we'll find out what he does. He'll give us the latest news on Qualtrics. And joining him, we only have two on the panel, but you know it's going to be hot because we're going to bounce back and forth, topic to topic, POV, point of view to point of view. Monkambu Raju, and he lets me call him just Raju. He's the Director of Solution Management Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP. Gentlemen, welcome back. And we have to do a quick shout out to uh, David, let me get Dave, David Mingle at Qualtrics, who was supposed to join us. He was on part one and he was called away to host a live event today. So David, you are in our thoughts. Jordan Katz is up first. Jordan has sent me a quote. This is a long one from Larry Niven, as quoted by Arthur C. Clarke. In Meeting of the Minds, Buzz Aldrin Visits Arthur C. Clarke, written by Andrew Chaikin in February 2001. If you Uh don't know who Larry Niven is, Lawrence Van Cott Niven, born in 1938, still with us, is an American science fiction author, most famous as the author of Ring World. His known space stories and something called Niven's Laws. I have no idea what that is. Here's the quote Jordan has put. The dinosaurs became extinct. Because they didn't have a space program. And if we become extinct because we don't have a space program, it'll serve us right. Remember, this came from 2001. Jordan Katz, how have you been? I've been great. How are you? I'm very excited about this topic. I think you can tell. Jordan, I love the quote. I have no idea what this... You've got to unravel this. I want you to follow the breadcrumbs and take us through. How in the world did you find this quote? What does it mean for our topic? Go ahead. Well, so first of all, how cool is it to be like a phenomenal author and then have one of the greatest authors in the world quote you to one of the greatest astronauts in the world? I mean, I just thought that whole setup and situation was was amazing. And the quote itself, to me, speaks volumes, not just about like having a space program, which was obviously the, the point of the actual discussion, but about innovation and innovating and pushing forward and making life better and stronger for future generations. And I really believe that this applies to the automotive industry where, um, yes, we have more code in our cars than, you know, it took to launch the, you know, rockets to the moon. But um, are we really changing the game and what is happening to the, the big future step moonshots that I think we need in the near term to... Um, to really keep our 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 economy and our and our nation moving forward. So, uh, to me, it's a reminder about never be satisfied with the status quo, and always think forward and come up with great ideas and and push for the realization of of what's right and what's what means progress. Very interesting. Thank you. And you're right. It is an exciting quote. But let me ask you, Jordan, the relationship, the quote comes from a time ago, having a space program. Okay, we've done that. We're still doing that. Do you think there was a day when somebody in automotive or outside of automotive woke up and said, hmm, industry's kind of stuck, kind of stodgy. Okay, do we have fins on cars? Do we have a different kind of taillights? Do we have uh, some, I don't know, something inside the car that makes it more exciting to drive it? Do we get rid of bench seats and we have this, wow, it feels like an airplane. You get in the bucket seats and you have look out over this dashboard and it's got funky looking lights. It's exciting. Do you think somebody woke up one day and said, that's not enough? 
we need to really disrupt the equivalent of a space program. What can we do with cars? Oh, we'll make them electric. Oh, we'll make them self-driving. Oh, we'll make them entertainment-rich digital centers traveling on wheels, and people can be entertained and learn while they're driving. Do you think one person woke up and said that, or where do you think the groundswell came? Jordan, I want to pick your brain on this, a little bit of history, if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I think one of the issues is that that's not coming from the traditional industry players, right? It came from Elon Musk and the mm-hmm. you know, Riven and, and all the different entrepreneurs that are coming out of tech. And so what concerns me is like the people who are phenomenally talented at building cars and understand everything that goes into automotives, uh, it scares me to, to think that they might not be as future-focused and innovative as they could be. And, of course, I'm on, mm. on this particular show to talk about employee types of, uh, of issues and employee experience. And I just want to, you know, I worry about the stifling of uh, autonomy and innovation within the employee base aimed at shoring up profitability and revenue and selling units. Um, because if that's what happens in our traditional legacy automakers, then we're going to have a bunch of uh People come from the outside and maybe fail. They need that, mm. that. There needs to be that middle ground between people who are truly innovative and people who truly know how to make cars that work and navigate the, the automotive landscape. And so I would urge our legacy automakers to find ways to foster innovation, to take moonshots, to mm-hmm. identify and create operational and management strategies that place a high value on uh, looking forward and thinking of Uh, different things in different ways. Thank you. Very well done. I like the way you incorporated the idea of moonshots into automotive. Thank you, Jordan. Pleasure pleasure to reconnect (laughs) with you. I love it. I absolutely love it. I can tell. We, we, we could do a show on Arthur C. Clarke, what he would say about automotive or, or whatever we wanted to. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Monkambu Raju. Mr. Raju, I'll call you. And he has sent me a quote from Thomas L. Friedman, in case you don't know. Thomas Lauren, L-O-R-E-N Friedman, American political commentator and author, three-time Pulitzer Prize winner, writes a weekly column for the New York Times, and his scope of topics has been included foreign affairs, global trade, Middle East, globalization, and environmental issues. I know there's some controversy surrounding his political positions, but we're not going to talk about that today. So here's the quote Raju has selected from Thomas L. Friedman. The world's gone from flat to fast to deep and probably be psychic next. I love the quote. Raju, welcome back. How have you been? I'm doing good, Bonnie. Thank you for inviting us back on the show. Well, listen, you two were so good, along with David Mingle a few weeks ago, that I had to invite you back because I wanted this audience to be exposed to what you and Jordan and, and David, who is with us in spirit, I know, I know, even though he's busy somewhere else, I, wa- I wanted to bring your insights and your savvy on this topic, which is a hot topic, to the bigger audience. So thank you very much for coming back. Tell me about the Thomas L. Friedman quote. you, you got to unravel this for me. What does it mean for automotive? Yes, so it's it's a very fascinating quote, and the reason I picked that quote, you know, uh, we are in living in a technology-led uh, environment or the economy, and and when uh, Thomas wrote the first book in the world's gone, uh, you know, the world is flat, um, you know, 
he talks about how the connectivity has enabled uh, you know connection of people beyond what what we know you know what we you know talk to you know it has gone beyond that so that means uh, the connectivity has enabled us to reach far and beyond uh, you know i can call my parents back in india uh, i can talk to them i can you know do a video call with them and you know uh, and all these un uh, uh, unknown ways of uh, i would say technology has enabled us to get closer to people so that was the the first iteration uh, which tom uh, you know describes in his book uh, which mm-hmm. started in 2000 and as we moved along to you know around 2007 he talks about how the the next set of technology step which has taken us to cloud and big data and uh, other uh, you know early uh, entrances around ai and things like that where we have abstracted away you know the complexity and and he gave a very uh, very good example which is uh, i can on my smartphone touch with one click i can uh, plan my trip i can order my ride i can rate that particular ride how it was and i can pay for that ride with that touch with that single touch uh, so all the complexity on if you can imagine uh, you know getting into a traditional taxi to go from mm-hmm. point a to point b all that has been abstracted away with one touch and that has been enabled with uh, you know the set of technologies which we already have and the connectivity you know through you know cheap uh, fiber optics and you know satellite uh, availability and mobile uh, technologies and the and the best part uh, which he talks about next is what we are going through right now is now from flat uh, sorry fast uh, sorry flat to fast to deep uh, mm-hmm. we are entering in a stage where we are going touchless yeah we are going uh, instead of even uh, uh, using you know the finger uh, you know using our fingers has become slow we can even just talk to our series and alexas and cortanas and others mm-hmm. to do that and beyond and so and and what that has enabled is we are getting into a stage where personalizing this particular uh, uh to mass scales uh, to people around the world and and to bigger companies and and that kind of relates to what i heard recently at one of the uh, uh, one of the events of one of the high uh, tech giants in silicon valley where they have created the next generation of virtual assistant which takes you along this journey and so i found it really fascinating that i landed up on this court and and the, and the, and the silicon valley has already you know created that particular assistant which looks at the contextual uh, uh, you know uh, in the context we are talking and it's able to understand and it's able to process all this and do it uh, without any touch and the last part of uh, thomas quote is uh, that the next uh, step towards might be psychic which is i think we mm-hmm. we to some extent we are already seeing it yeah so uh, uh, the companies know about you how you behave and how you buy things and amazon or what shows you watch on Netflix or you know are you a game of thrones fan and they are able to prescribe you or guide you or even you know suggest what you should do next so then so the ai is coming into play a big time and that's where i see uh you know the the things you just mentioned regarding you know the future of cars uh 
how some of those technologies are going to, you know, cross mingle and uh, mm-hmm. I think we are getting into that stage. So that's where uh, that's what fascinated me. So and uh, you know, that's how I picked that particular quote. Thank you, Raju. Very, very interesting. I just want our audience to get to know both of you a little bit better. We've already heard how smart you are and how engaged you are with the topic. So let's go back to Jordan Katz. Jordan, three quick questions. Number one, where in the world are you today? Did you have to drive there or walk there? I'm only teasing. Or fly there or ride there or, I don't know what, drop in from a drone there. Number two, what's your? this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. What's your favorite drink that powers you? I'm looking at your PR photo. You both have such wonderful smiles. So what keeps you smiling, whether it's a daytime drink or an after-hours drink. Jordan, and number three, catch us up on what you do at Qualtrics. Go ahead, Jordan Katz. So I'm in Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, I walked downstairs into my basement in my slippers uh, because I I work from home, which is wonderful. I work remotely and do a lot of video conferencing all day. And uh, Mm -hmm. let's see, last time I was on, I had just quit sodas, which is... (laughs) I guess good for you, but not doesn't make me that happy, and so I'm an iced tea guy now. Oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Unsweetened iced tea. Doesn't and get, do you brew it? Is, is it out. one of those sunshine brews? You put a couple tea bags in something and you leave it outside to brew outside naturally or in the sunlight in a window? Or are you a tea oh, bag man, guy or a loose tea? What do you like? Loose tea? I wish. I just go I just go to the go to the grocery <laughs> store and buy the, the, the tea that has the least amount of anything in it, just water. <laughs> And the and the tea, right? All natural stuff. So I keep it simple. And then oh uh, at goodness. Qualtrics, yes, yeah, at Qualtrics, I'm one of the thought leaders in our uh, employee experience practice. Um, I uh, take a special focus on people analytics and transitioning our clients or, or prospects from uh, legacy engagement programs and employee experience programs to sophisticated employee listening programs. I also am. Uh, largely in charge of all the employee experience partnerships. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to speak with you again. I appreciate it. You know, I'm down here in Durham, North Carolina, and I learned quickly when I came to the South, when you ask for iced tea, they ask you if you want sweet tea. And I don't know what in the world they put in it, but it is, I I like (laughs) sweet things, but I got to tell you, it's... Do they even ask? They don't even know. Once in a while they do, but you know know where, (laughs) where, you know what the difference is, is that... If somebody says, oh, she's from New York, I'll give her a Long Island iced tea. That's when I'm in trouble oh, yeah. because it's loaded with booze. <laughs> that's, that's not that's your 10-year-old's iced tea, and that's not your southern sweet tea. So got to watch out mm-hmm. for that. Yes, you, you learn to be very distinctive. No, I don't want lemon in it. Yes, I want iced tea. Yes, I'll add my own sweetener. Thank you very much. So nice to speak with you, Jordan. Raju, you're up next. Well, Where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink before, during, or after work? And what's new with you in your role at SAP, Raju. Uh, so, uh, Bonnie, yeah. So I'm in southeast Michigan. Uh, it's a cloudy day with uh, rain, <laughs> and uh, I'm working from home. So uh, not in my slippers, but uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love my cup of tea in the morning and a couple of uh, shots of coffee in the day. <laughs> That keeps me going, and of mm-hmm. course, a lot of water. <laughs> and uh, so, I work uh, in the solution management uh, in uh, SAP's uh, automotive industry business unit, uh, where I look after the customer centricity topic, after sales, and after market solutions. 
And uh, my role has been primarily to help uh, our uh, sales field and our customers uh, to understand how, how to enable the solutions and to bring uh, thought leadership around uh, some of these topics on how the world uh, globally is, uh, you know, using some of our solutions. And lately, I'm working now with uh, our new uh, uh, friends uh, from Qualtrics to try to embed all the listening and feedbacks which we can enable within our solution uh, to make it more richer experiences for our customers and our solutions. Thank you very much, Raju. Nice to speak with you again. As you all know, I'm Bonnie D. Graham here in Durham, North Carolina, also working from a home radio studio, not traveling very far from from where I am to where I am. Uh, I am still, Jordan and Raju, I'm still not allowed to have anything with caffeine in it on radio show days. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are doubleheader days. I did two shows an hour apart yesterday, and we're launching a brand new series at 2 p.m. Eastern today called Reinventing Life and Business with Game changers. So I'll be doing two live shows today and you're my first one. So all I'm drinking is cool, clear water. I have a very interesting black and white mug with some kind of a leafy pattern on it. It's very pretty with a straw. And I recently learned how terrible it is to have plastic straws. So I invested, and I mean invested, in a box of paper recyclable compostable straws. They're three times, four times, five times the cost for for, uh, for half as many straws, five times the cost of, of a box of plastic straws, but I want to be a good friend to the environment. So I have invested in those, and that's what I'm going to be using for my water on the shows from now on. So there. We're going to take a quick break. If you're just tuning in, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, episode number 372. And breaking news that this, this series will end on next week. It will be May 29th, 2019. It will be the final episode, but we'll be taking a peek at the new series I'm launching on June 5th that will replace this. It's called Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. And the position statement for that series is that everybody's talking about the future is already here. Well, I say no, that was yesterday's future. What are we doing to create tomorrow's future? So therefore, the future of now. We'll be talking about more about that a little bit at the end of the show. So for for right now, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're having a great conversation about the key to automotive industry disruption, becoming customer obsessed. That's what we want to talk about. Jordan Katz from Qualtrics and Monkambu Raju, known as Raju to us at SAP, are my very special guests. We'll be right back in 90 seconds. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com 
Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. We're going to be breaking this wide open, talking about rip from the headlines. What is happening with automotive industry disruption? And the clue here is that if you're in the industry or any company related to it in any way, form, or anything, you need to become customer obsessed. We'll get to that later in the show, but right now we're speaking with Jordan Katz at Qualtrics and Raju, Mankambu Raju at SAP. We're going to read the, I'm going to read the headlines and then we're going to hear from Jordan first and then Raju and get their interpretation of why this headline is important. So number one, we're starting out with changing ownership models. Jordan Katz, what's on your mind on this headline? Please. Well, so the thing to me is how do you manage customer experience through a third party, right? So if your ownership model moves to uh, something with Uber where they're getting rid of all the uh, their dealerships and you're just ordering online. How do you really manage that customer experience? How do you create a an exciting and re- retention-focused um, one-on-one or personal relationship when they're just clickety-clacking on their computer, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually you get your, your, your car. I mean, the reality is uh, things you have delivered to you like, from Amazon or whatnot, you're not building a straight relationship with Amazon or any sort of loyalty to Amazon if the product is cheaper on Walmart.com, which has Mm -hmm. an upsurge, people will move over there. What Amazon gets you with is, you know, the ease of use, uh, the prime free shipping, the fact that you could order something and get it in the same day. But from a, that's great for high velocity purchasing. That's not a thing when you're ordering a car. You get one car every however many years. Right, so um, my concern is that it, unless you have some sort of action or interaction that yields greater customer performance, everything's just a cost-cutting measure, and cost-cutting measures, as we know, run out. And I think as recently as yesterday, we saw that there's some serious situations going on in Uber that uh, that speak exactly to to my point. So. Uh, you can cut out as many human elements and interactions as you want, but you better be ready to reap the results of that if they're mm-hmm. not super positive. Interesting. Raju, what's your thought on changing ownership models? Very important topic for automotive. What do you see? Yeah, so I think uh, Jordan touched upon some of those points, and I think uh, this is kind of kind of the what you call a sh- uh, shaky uh, topic within the automotive industry where nearly the you know everybody in the ecosystem is looking at you know how does it affect me and uh, so the uh, to to Jordan's point uh, you know 
more and more of digitalization of you know the the buying experience uh, mm-hmm. uh, when when it shifts or the own or the ride experience uh, when it shifts uh, the touch points uh, are new set of touch points which needs to be addressed and that's where i think it becomes important for um, the oems or the whoever you know provides that fleet of services is to understand what are these touch points and to you know some will be uh probably controlled with the apps maybe you know because that's where uh, you know you have to sign in for example but there could be other touch points and then they need to also measure which are the earned touch points so that means you know uh, i i got into a service i i had a good experience uh is the word of mouth you know still one of the you know important uh, aspects of getting that uh, what we call the loyalty or the advocacy and the satisfaction you know factors which are critical to the experience so i think uh, uh, this uh, changing of these models i think will impact this and i think that needs to be measured uh, and that needs to be understood so i think that's where i think the focus needs to go uh, for uh, for the fleet operators slash oems or other you know service providers i would say Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's move on to topic number two, Silicon Valley versus or with Detroit. What's going on with technology versus the traditional auto industry? We know it's not traditional anymore. Jordan Cass, what's your observation? What's your favorite headline? Well, so the thing we talked about last time was about how um, speculation about uh, in autonomous driving, right? Um, hire Tesla hiring Apple's. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Apple hiring some of Tesla's core engineers. But what? I, and that's an interesting topic because it, to me it speaks mm-hmm. to you know how employee moves can make real change and set people up and companies up for momentous moves. But what what I think we really need and what I think will be important in the automotive industry is. It's not a. It it shouldn't be a one versus the other relationship. We need Silicon Valley and the automotive industry to go hand in hand in the United States to create, uh, you know, a more optimal experience for the customers, their people, for the product. Because again, if we don't make big moves, then other com- companies and countries are going to eat our lunch, so to speak, and. Again, back to uh, you know what what it means for employee experience is that we know that Silicon Valley companies have a different method of operating in terms of employee experience, right? A different, less legacy setup for offices. Different focus on uh, where you need to be, how you need to do things, the tools that you're given in order to execute on your job well. And I'd like to see the the legacy automotive industry adopt those much more aggressively. And frankly, I think it'd be smart to have uh, units, if they don't already, from the legacy automakers sitting inside Silicon Valley and creating strong partnerships with some of the most innovative uh, groups in the world. And I think that's what's going to really change our experience as car owners it's it, it will be the pro- cross-pollination of the people who are experts at manufacturing the vehicles that move us around the world and the experts that create technological solutions and innovations that make our lives more wonderful to live 
I like the way you said more wonderful to live rather than easier. I like that because wonderful yeah, right? is a is a much nicer word, Jordan. It's a much happier word. Mm-hmm. It's anybody can define what is wonderful. Your wonderful will be different than mine, different than Raju. So thank you for that. Love what you said. Silicon Valley versus or with hand in hand. I don't know. They're driving in different directions and Detroit. Raju, what's your thought? What's your headline? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, there is a kind of a growing uh, understanding of this particular topic, uh, which uh, Jordan brought up. Uh, And there has been moves by the traditional OEMs to get into that space. So, you know, setting up uh, design shops, I think, uh, design uh, centers uh, in Silicon Valley, setting up uh, these new mobility centers uh, in Silicon Valley and things of that sort. But of course, uh, as you know, culture eats strategy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult to change certain uh, uh, ingrained, uh, ingrained <laughs> cultural uh, facts. So, uh, what some of the OEMs have done is, you know, they have invested or bought some of these Silicon Valley companies to try to get that culture inside their organizations uh, and trying to see if they can do faster innovations in those spaces. Uh, but uh, to Jordan's point, you know, um, how fast can we get to that wonderful world? And uh, because of their legacy implications, uh, legacy, uh, you know, managing, still managing the traditional combustion engine business and moving into new spaces, I think uh, uh, what they are now doing now is investing in some of the early startups. And that has happened with, uh, for example, Ford uh, investing in uh, the one of the EV start companies, Rivian. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, surprisingly, both are here uh, in in Michigan, uh, but they do have their uh, you know Silicon Valley heritage. Uh, at least uh, Rivian has. So, yeah. So in that sense, I think they are making certain progress here. Uh, but I would say, uh, to your point, uh, uh, yes, I think there is uh, more needs to be done here, uh, where uh, these new set of experiences uh, or what uh, Jordan said, <laughs> wonderful experiences. Needs to mm-hmm. needs to be realized. Yeah, so I agree there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I like that word. Wonderful, keeping on popping up. I think we've talked a little bit about new players in the industry. So, if it's okay with the two of you, I'd like to move on to the talent of the future in automotive. I mentioned it in my opening. What kind of jobs will we see? Will we see more females entering the automotive business? We've had many automotive leaders here on the future of cars with game changers over the past few years. So, what do you see? What what headline is important to you, Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, on the talent for the future? What do you see? Well, the ability to attract great candidates and hire, you know, hire them, get them to accept their offer, manage them to optimize performance to the best that they can be is really what sets, you know, good companies apart from, you know, great companies apart from just good companies, right? If you Mm -hmm. can, if you can be deliberate about which people you attract into your hiring funnel and then get the best of the best to accept your offer, that's one thing. It's another thing to then also, uh, create a scenario in which your managers are retaining them and getting the best out of them. And so when I look at uh, companies like Rivian, who just decided to build an electronic pickup truck from bottom up, right, with no preconceived notion about, uh, you know, an internal combustion engine or what it's mm-hmm. like to build a car or, 
or anything like that, that's when I see companies, a company that is really probably both winning the war for talent uh, and uh, creating an innovative type of atmosphere where people can think, you know, way far away from what um, the status quo currently is or used to be. And so I really see, you know, the war for talent as um, a marketing problem, right? Understanding who your customer is, understanding what your product, what vision you have for the product, and then uh, optimizing your entire process around getting the right people in the right seats. So when I say customer, I mean candidate, right? Because customers, the candidates are customers for your jobs. When I say product, I mean literally the experience it is going that, that the uh, employees are going to have within your organization, also known as employment brand. And then the process is all about like, it's the same, it's the same thing as a customer conversion process, right? You need mm-hmm. to get them in, you need to get them to click, to look, to view, you need to attract them into the funnel. Once they're into the funnel, you need to convert their interest into a purchase and the purchase is... Right you know, signing the job offer and getting on board. And then once you have your customer on board, you need to, you know, take good care of that customer and help them do the things they need to do to create great performance. And in this case, it's how do you uh, give your managers and your leaders roadmaps on how exactly to act, communicate and operate so that your customers, your employees do exactly what you need them to do. All good information. Do you have any idea, any any thoughts about, Jordan, about what types of skills will be needed? The new jobs in the industry, that's really what I was looking for. New roles, we'll be looking for more engineers. Will we be looking for data scientists? Will the automotive industry be looking for creative designers of what the inside of a car will look like or what the dashboard of a an autonomous vehicle will look like or how to present an entertainment center in the car cost-effectively so that people can, two, three people could sit in the car, one could be watching a movie and the other could be working on their iPad or on a, on a second screen. Any thoughts about the skill sets or where these roles will fit into new industry plans? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I like to think that they'll be thoughtful about buy versus build in, in the sense mm-hmm. of um, going to really innovative, great design companies and instead of hiring a whole crew of that, admiring them in the legacy automotive world, partnering up with firms that are the best at that. What I, I see jobs uh, popping up probably in the future that are focused a lot on data science, a lot on technological mm-hmm. coding and innovation, and just like you said, engineering. And hopefully, hopefully they come from outside of legacy auto to inject that real diversity of thought into the process and push us um, you know, to get better and better and stronger and stronger in terms of what things look like and how they how they uh, progress. Excuse me. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Raju, what are your thoughts about new roles, new jobs, new skills in automotive? Yeah, I think uh, Jordan hit some of those points. And I think engineering, I think, has uh, a different set of engineering in my view, which is, uh, you know, understanding uh, from an, uh, uh, you know, Pure, pure new set of elect- electronics or uh, EV, uh, you know, modules. So uh, around uh, how to manage the battery optimization, the more the electric motor optimization, and then of course the whole data science aspect of it, uh, which is you know getting more and more understanding of the environment around the vehicle. So as we look at the autonomous 
uh, vehicles. So the whole concept around uh, the deep neural networks with AI and everything else around that uh, area, I think, will become uh, uh, very important. And this is where some of the OEMs are, you know, you know looking at uh, different technologies. And so I think that that impacts it as well. So whether you want to stay with, uh, you know, some of the LiDAR-based technology or, you know, camera-based technologies and other sensors. Uh, so, uh, so the whole problem, uh, as, as uh, we know, is all, is all the big data which is coming. And so we are talking about just the pure vehicle itself, yeah, and what's surrounding it. But I think uh, more and more what I see in the future is, uh, you know, vehicle-to-infrastructure, vehicle-to-vehicle, so there will be another set of uh, technology uh, skill sets which will be required. And, of course, there are some industry uh, standards which also need to come together uh, to make it happen. And, you know, and that ties into, I would say, uh, building uh, uh, a future smart city uh, where, you know, the roads, uh, the infrastructure, the lights, you know, all of them are connected, uh, you know, optimized uh, to make sure the experience, you know, of uh, driving is uh, is enriching, I would say. And, Thank you very uh, Yep, keep going. Mm-hmm. Just one, one last point. Uh, yeah, actually, sure. what you mentioned regarding autonomous, I think that creates a very interesting opportunity. And that that is exactly what you, uh, I think, highlighted, which is, you know, there will be a, a new set of uh, experiences inside the vehicle which are available. So, uh, to your point, uh, maybe, you know, designers from the media industry can come and provide that content or that experience. So uh, yes. maybe not hiring in, in-sourced, but maybe uh, a third party who specialize in those. And they're, as Jordan said, let's get them from outside to kind of, you know, create those new experiences. So, yeah, I think that will be the another uh, facet, I would say, of skill sets which will be required. Thank you. You know, the design on the inside of a car has always been something of a, I think, of a curiosity for consumers. You you want to say, well, do I have leather seats? And what? how pretty is the dashboard? I mentioned this before. And what kind of lights happen when I put on the night dashboard? And how comfortable is it? And do I want, is it leather or is there some kind of a plush paneling on the side? And is it an electric seat? Does it move up and down and left and right? And how lovely is the, the dashboard? Do I feel like I'm in the cockpit of an airplane. I, I think there's always been that. So I guess the question is now that cars have so much more interior value <clears throat> for comfort, for um, entertainment, for amusement, and self and so, autonomous cars where you don't need to pay attention to what's on the dashboard, how much enjoyment do we have to get out of the car in order to say, oh, you won't believe this autonomous car I bought. I've got leopard skin panel on the dashboard, but I don't need the dashboard. I have reclining seats, but I like to work on my iPad, but you could come and take a nap in my car. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the consumer influence will be on the design of the interior. Jordan, if you could, let me go off topic here for a second. Jordan Katz. If you could design the interior of your next car, let's say in the next five years, what would it look like? What would you want for experience, for comfort, if you're still driving it? What would you want to make that experience safer, better, more pleasant, and maybe to show off different? Look at my car. What would be on your mind if you were designing a car, Jordan Katz? Oh, man, I'd have to design two cars. So first of all, I'd love to see full autonomous driving. I mean, the last thing I want to do is spend my life in 
doing non-pleasure-focused driving, right? Let's mm-hmm. get to that point that all the science fiction writers write about where you're in a, you know, a very comfortable pod doing your work or, or taking a nap or watching a movie. Like, let's make, I really think we're, we can, we have the reach where we can make this happen. We're, 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 we're we've got people living up in space for a year. We we're throwing up satellites into the atmosphere. <clears throat> I feel like we can drive a, uh, I think we can build a a car that doesn't smash into anything, and and then uh, and that one obviously all about comfort, all about convenience. Uh, hopefully, it's sort of modular or transformable, so you can go from relaxing to work. Because I, in the in the time I have, you know, it's nice to work flexibly, going from one place to another, not not waste time. And then on the other hand, just true sports cars. I'm I'm very much a sports car enthusiast. So me too. Anything that's light and focused and 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 tight and sticky and fast. That's the way. That's uh, that's the way it should go. Very interesting. What kind of sports cars? What's your pleasure? You want to mention a brand or a style? I mean, I lo- I love Porsche. I love Lamborghini. Uh, oh my! And some of the I mean the new ones that are coming out uh, from. Uh, and not new, like Koenigsegg and something like that are unbelievably uh, fast, I guess. Probably I like to think of ones that are, could be conceptually reachable potentially someday if I get very, very lucky. But, uh, um, yeah, that in that er- arena, the look, feel, and speed, there's been actually a lot of innovation, which I appreciate. I do, too. I'm a Z girl. I like my Zs. I'm I'm into the 370 <laughs> right now, and... Oh, I just love it. I don't get to go more than about 80, 85 here in North Carolina, but it's better than being on the Long Island Expressway doing 20. So, <laughs> yes, we're That's flying nice. down here. It's fun. And the convertible is great, too. By the way, Raju, if you could design a car for pleasure, for business driving, whatever it was, what would your car look like, sound like, feel like? So I got an interesting statistic here, uh, Bonnie, and this comes from Capgemini, and they asked, uh, self-driving, you know, consumers about the self-driving cars and, you know, what kind of experience they would like. And they said, you know, 63% would like to socialize, you know, catching up with their friends or calling and all that. And 57% said entertainment. And Mm -hmm. the interesting part, which I like, (laughs) which is 48%, which is reclaiming your time, which is, you know, disconnecting, uh, maybe take a nap. Or practice meditation. Mm-hmm. So very interesting, interesting statistics. And then, uh, of course, the last one, which is a little bit strange, but uh, 24% said they would do a light exercise. Um, what? And yes, so, so related to health. So 24%, <laughs> which which I found it strange uh, that how can uh, you do that? But, uh, wow. you know check and measure vital signs. Uh, and so, so I didn't understand that part. But uh, yeah, to understand uh, my preference, I think uh, would love a comfortable seat where I don't need to look at the road. Maybe I will look outside, <laughs> uh, you know, not, not to drive, but to look outside and uh, have a nice music uh, or a, mm-hmm. a catch up on uh, a favorite show, something like that, I would say. <laughs> That would be great. That, that's that's interesting. If I could redesign my little car, 
I would redesign how I access GPS information because I'm told that it was, it's a 2015 model. I bought it with about 19,000 miles. It's a beautiful car, pearl white with a little sparkle in the, in the paint, red rag top, dark red. You know, I'm radio red, so that works fine. Uh, I don't drive much because I work from my home studio here, but when I drive, it's, it's always pleasure no matter where I'm going. And luckily, everything I do here in North Carolina is 20 to 40 minutes away. <laughs> my, my drum lessons for one school I go to is 40 minutes away in traffic on Friday, which is not too fun because it's, it's slow going. Another one is, is 20 minutes away in the other direction, and it's much faster because it's, it's uh, fast highway driving. And then various places I go are all 20 to 30 minutes away, which is interesting. But what I want to say was, the the built-in GPS, the map on the car, dates back to 2015. The area where I live didn't exist then. So if I put in my address on the car <laughs> GPS, it's not going to find it because those streets are not on the map. I don't feel like paying several hundred dollars to update the GPS. So I have one of those funny little suction cup holders that I stick on the inside windshield and I put my iPhone into it and I put the GPS on there and then she, whoever my voice is, my bot in the phone, leads me to wherever I need to go if it's a new direction. So I would love it if there was an easy way, free to update the dashboard map in GPS. Do you think there's any hope of that coming, Jordan, or is that still going to be a moneymaker for the map people? What's your thought, Jordan Katz? Oh, man, is anyone even using their in-car navigation system anymore, or does everybody just use Google Maps like me? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right, Jordan. I think uh, the, the whole concept of CarPlay or Android Auto, I think, which enables you to kind of mirror your phone. I think that is kind of the future, <laughs> uh, unless yeah. uh, unless the OEMs provide all these maps for free. Uh, you know, but you're right. I think uh, I also use the same, uh, just like you, Bonnie. <laughs> there you go. And it, you know, something once in a while, the suction cup pops off, and I'm driving, and I hear this pop. <laughs> I look, and the phone is under my feet. And the thing is under my feet. It's like, okay, just get to a safe place before you bend down and get it. Very interesting. We're just about at the tar- the part of the show, Jordan and Raju, where we talk about predictions. I think we've been talking about predictions all along. But let's, let me pose uh, one or two prediction-oriented questions to each of you, and then we'll wrap up the show. Jordan Katz at Qualtrics. Number one, will you own your own vehicle? I know you said what, you, what you're lusting after. Will you own your own vehicle, let's say, by December 2020, next year, a little bit more than a year and a half from now, will you still be having keys to your car, in your, your own car, or will you be part of a ride-sharing, car-sharing, bike-sharing, something kind of economy? And number two, do you predict that there will be a brand new brand of car somewhere, let's say between now and 2025, will there be something we've never heard of, we've never seen uh, whether it's a regular car, uh, a driving car, not a self-driving car, whether it's electric, whether it's a hybrid, whatever it is, do you think that there might be something new and exciting coming up the pike, down the road, however they say it, between the ne- now and the next five years? So those two questions, let's focus your um, your uh, prediction for me, please. Jordan, and then Raju, you're, you're next. So Jordan, what do you see? Uh, definitely will own my car, will continue to own my car in 2020, no question. Uh, I don't do that much driving. Most of the driving I do is decently enjoyable. And mm-hmm. God, I hope we'll have new car 
uh, manufacturers and new innovations by 2025. I mean, I think the whole industry needs to be uh, flipped on its head in in some regards and really optimized for uh, you know a better experience than others. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers. Crossing your fingers. Do you do you think blood. people will readily adopt autonomous? At any time in the near future, or do you think it's going to be wait five years till it's really proven to be safe and, and effective and cost not cost pre- prohibitive? Uh, what's your thought? How long will it take for people to say, "Yeah, I want a self-driving car"? Any time in our lifetimes? I bet, another, I bet it's another two and a half to three years. I mean, we've already got wow, lots of people using the Tesla, uh, whatever the, the autonomous version, the semi-autonomous version of the Tesla driving. So, I think we're less than five and it's much more widespread. I don't know if we'll get full autonomy, but at least very, at the very least, I think we'll see widespread semi-autonomous. Interesting. Thank you. I didn't think you were going to say it that soon. And Raju, you're up. I have uh, about 90 seconds for you. Will you still be driving your own car? What would it take for you to get into the self, the uh, autonomous and uh, any new brands you would like to see the name of a new model do you think would attract you? Raju? Yeah, so I think I'll still own the car uh, because uh, kids are still around, so mm-hmm. <laughs> still need to do some driving around. Uh, and I, I do suspect that we will have at least uh, one or two OEMs pop up uh, uh, who will scale up, I would say, uh, to come. And they probably will be in the, in the autonomous and EV space uh, for sure. And uh, I see that that maybe it's coming from China. I don't know. Uh, that's a possibility, or another another place. So there is a possibility for that. And uh, and yeah, I think uh, five years is a pretty good prediction uh, uh, for autonomous vehicles to be already available. I think uh, Elon Musk already promised. Uh, relatively earlier, maybe by next year, let's see. Uh, but I think uh, it should be possible that people will be driving around in the autonomous vehicles, I would say. Okay, very interesting. Uh, will you change cars in the next two to three years, depending on what's coming coming to a dealer near you? Are you going to stick with your, are you one of those, ride it till it, till it basically dies, or seeing how many hundreds of thousands of miles you could put on, Raju? Uh, I would say it will be another four years at least before I change to change to maybe something new. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the danger with me not driving very much but loving my cars is I traded in the last one, which was a t- 2008 midnight blue convertible um, Z. It was a 350. I traded it in with 31,000 miles because I needed something I felt more comfortable and safe in on these highways. In New York, I never went 80, 85 miles an hour on a regular basis. So I felt I need something more solid. That's the only reason I really traded up to a to the 2015. Um, but when you don't drive a lot and your car is sitting, and I think we all know that, what did they say? It's like Five percent cars are used. Five percent of the time, you own them. Most exactly. most cars. How much? Yes. Five yeah, percent. That's it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Then and the, okay. we're putting cars back into the stream, into the the reselling stream that are still pretty new and in good shape. And the question is, are are we keeping people from buying the newest and the latest and the greatest when they see a a sexy sports car come on the lot? Or I bought mine through an online uh, service and I found it at a local dealer. So anyway, a lot of things to ponder. I want to thank the two of you. It's just about time for us to wrap up here. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Jordan Katz at Qualtrics. Give my regards to David. Mingle, please, and uh, Raju at SAP. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time. Shout out to uh, Judy Cubis at SAP Automotive. Miranda LeBate put together a great topic. Thank you, Miranda. And Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. And by the way, 2 p.m. Eastern, debuting a brand new show, Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers. You don't want to miss it. And we're going to talk about smart cities and plastics and all that good stuff. So, fasten your seatbelt, especially when we're talking Talking about cars, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, just like Monkambu Raju, our good friend Raju at SAP, and just like me, Bonnie D. Graham. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.